Welcome to She Breeds, where the goal of every podcast episode is to inspire and empower women to up-level and lean in to the best versions of themselves. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Breeds. Welcome back, welcome back. Thank you to everyone who listened to my last episode, which was a Q&A with Matthew and me. We didn't realize we'd have so much fun with it and that it would resonate with so many of you. Since this month we're talking about relationships and everything, I just thought it would be kind of fun to bring him on the show and do a little question and answer session. And so we each came up with five questions. Well, he came up with three because he thought we were only supposed to come up with three, but then he he had two more in his back pocket. And so these were just fun questions that we didn't know about each other. And we actually learned a lot on the podcast and we laughed a ton. It was really fun. And from the comments I received, the episode was a reminder. It was a reminder to other couples to sometimes try to get out of the daily grind and just ask each other simple questions. Um... Date nights are important, alone time is important, especially with kids, and instead of talking about work or talking about, you know, the plan for the week or which kids have which games or which events and who's who's carting this kid there, and sometimes it's fun just to stop all that and enjoy being together and ask each other just some fun questions. So some of ours were things like, what's your favorite color? What was your favorite restaurant as a kid? You know, things like that. Um, So yesterday was Ash Wednesday, which I'm sure a lot of you know. And with it being the season of Lent in our family, we sometimes, instead of giving up something, we take on something. And so it has a bit of a more positive spin on it than um, the feeling of scarcity. But Some years there are things I give up, Um, but this year I have decided to take on, I don't even know how to explain it, but sort of to take on my past, I guess would be a way. I feel like as we, you know, a lot of times as we grow older and we evolve and we start adulting, we're just going headfirst into the future and um, we kind of get disengaged from some of our past as far as like our childhood past, childhood, teenage years. Um, I still chat with, I mean, I still talk to a lot of friends I had um, during my childhood and teenage years, but I feel like I don't talk to them enough. I feel like I don't make enough effort, like collectively, none of us, I mean, I, I, I just feel like we, we try to get together, but it's not enough. Like, and then I feel like when I do get together with them, it's so impactful and nourishing. Um, just to have a little piece of that history of my own personal history, because I think, especially with my mom passing away, you know, moms carry a lot of the memory bank for families. And I think that without her here, I don't get to have those conversations anymore about remember when this happened, remember when that happened or getting to listen to her talk about stories about my sister and I, we were little, sorry, I keep clearing my throat. But, um, so for those of you who still have a living, vibrant mother, do not take that for granted and, and always appreciate when she goes down memory lane because since my mom passed, that is something that I don't have nearly enough of in my life. 
And my dad has memories, but a lot of times they're different memories. You know, a mom just care. A mom, moms have really good memories when it comes to, um, you know, childhood events, family situations, just little stories, funny things. And of course, my sister and I have a lot of collective memories, but even those are not really the kind of memories that moms that, that a mom would carry. And I think. Since she died, I feel like I don't get to do that very much. And so I'm going to have to take that into my own hands. And not only am I going to try harder to reach out to friends from my past, but I don't get to see my hometown very much anymore because neither, you know, nobody is living there anymore. And it's only probably 30, 40 minutes from my current house. And so I have decided that throughout the season of Lent, I am going to go to my hometown occasionally and just maybe look at my old houses and drive by all of the schools I went to and drive by my old piano teacher's house and the restaurant where I used to wait tables and try to catch up with some folks who still live there. You know, just, I mean, I don't know. Even a part of me wants to somehow one day buy my childhood home and turn it into an Airbnb. This is a, this is a goal I have, so maybe I can manifest it. Um, but I, so yes, the season of Lent, while a lot of people use it as a time of, um, you know, of like, uh, I don't know where I'm trying to think of, you know, giving up something or that kind of thing. I also see Lent as a time of waiting and reflecting. Um, and so I feel like for me, it's going to be a time of reflection, a time of reflection and to try to. I think it also may have been too hard emotionally for me to do some of these things because everything reminds me of my mom. But I also think that through over time that I've healed a lot and that I feel like I would rather see those things and have the memories than just try and not think about it at all because it's easier on my heart. So I don't know if you're a person who does anything during Lent, but our kids all have some things that they're working on and my dad has something. And I just think it's, it's a cool time to kind of to do some self-reflection and to think about something that maybe you can change or give up or take on. So yeah, so it is February 23rd, I think. Um, but we only have two more episodes in February. So we have today's episode and then before the end of the month, I'm going to do my five things to smile about in February, which was a fun episode during January. And so in the month of February, I have focused a lot on self-love and relationships and various things that have to do with relationships and love. And I kind of came about that because, yes, Valentine's Day is in February. And even though I'm not a huge person in terms of like the cheesy commercialism side of Valentine's Day, I do love love. I love love. So I thought I would just take on that as a theme for the month of February. And so since this is my last episode, I want it to be something uh, pretty powerful. I want it to be a powerful topic. And so what I'm talking about today are five ways that we can care for others in a world that is consumed with helping ourselves. Okay, so Americans particularly are pretty obsessed with the self-improvement movement. I mean, even this podcast is in the self-help genre because that was the closest one to what I was trying to do with this podcast. And even though, you know, e e like even though we can work on ourselves and, and we can work on all kinds of things in our lives, 
But I just feel like we can't forget about the other people, you know, the other people in our lives. So while on this voracious quest to make ourselves healthier, wealthier, more fit, more successful, we can't let our commitment, you know, to self-improvement come at the cost of those around us. So I'll get in, I'll get into what I mean by that. But I did learn, this is crazy, the self-help industry is worth over $13 billion. And even though the concept of, of, you know, of helping oneself and kind of, you know, finding your purpose has been around forever, the industry itself with the amount of books and coaching sessions and all this kind of thing, TV shows, apps, um, really started to kick in in the 2000s. And it just continues, it continues to grow and flourish. And millennials, millennials are the ones who are driving the growth of the industry. So millennials are apparently, sometimes I feel like I'm a, a millennial, but I'm just out, I'm just before that one. So millennials are from like the early, born in the early 80s to the early 2000s. Um, and so those are the folks that are spending the most money in the self-help industries. They spend twice as much as baby boomers. So my parents are, were baby boomers, and I don't ever recall my mom being focused on self-improvement. I mean, she, I always, in fact, I always feel like she was kind of like frazzled because she was always, she, she was a teacher during the day, and then in the evening she would sell Avon, and she also was running my sister and around all kinds of activities, and I always just felt like she was just trying to do too much. Um, but I certainly don't remember her doing any kind of exercise programs or self-help, reading self-help books. I do remember her reading a lot of Daniel Still, but not, not many self-help books. On the other hand, I think my kids are constantly listening to me talk about this podcast or that podcast or what I learned from this book or that. And I don't know what kind of effect that's having on them, but I do hope it's showing them that it's okay to work on yourself because I, I, I do feel like that while we can't, you know, neglect other people in our lives while we're working on ourselves, I also feel like I'm trying to model for my kids that it is important to take care of yourself and to be your own person so that you're not just turning into a chameleon and just doing whatever everyone around you is doing or people pleasing or getting confused about boundaries. So it's an interesting little dance because, you know, we want to do these things to help ourselves and to create boundaries and to create security and safety. But at the same time, there are ways that we can not disconnect ourselves from others. And so anyway, so yes, so today I am going to get into just some five strategies that, um, well, these are not so much strategies, but more like ways, five ways that we can better care for others in a self-help world. Number one, so the first way to help others in the self-help world is authenticity. We always see these quotes encouraging us to be ourselves. You know, the whole, you be you, you do you, all of that. Um, you know, be yourself, everyone else is taken. You see these quotes on Instagram and other feeds, yet somehow that is easier said than done. We oftentimes compare ourselves to others and think, oh, I should be doing that or I should be doing this instead of just leaning inward and figuring out what is it that I'm supposed to be do doing? How is it that I am supposed to be? But the funny thing is, the ironic thing is, is when we allow ourselves to shine, we give others permission to shine. 
And it's taken me a long time to really figure this out because I know I can sometimes seem like an odd bird because I am, I'm not one of those people who just has a regular nine to five job. I always have all these creative projects going on. I mean, from, from when I can remember, I've been through many various careers and it is just who I am. And, but I think if I tried to be somebody else, if I would have forced myself to fit into a nine to five type persona, it would have been awful. I would have been miserable and everyone in my life would have also been miserable. And so I hope that by just being who I am, quirks and all, other people are thinking, well, hey, I mean, if she can do whatever, you know, if she can figure out what she's doing, then maybe I can figure out what I want to do. And so number one is authenticity. So it's interesting because through self-help methods, you can be more authentic. And by being authentic, you are going to then help others. Number two is compassion. As they say, everyone is fighting their own battle. So whether that's an illness, a massive life change, like a new job or a divorce or a big move, or even just something that's troubling in their everyday life that they can't shake, everybody is dealing with something. And so with that in mind, we should just go out in the world every day full of compassion. So instead of being envious of other people or judging people for their decisions or choices, we should simply just look at everyone with compassion and just especially with people that are closest to us, when we have compassion, the people that we love truly feel seen and heard. And that is so important. And we should all know by now that the picture people paint of their lives on social media just simply is not the truth. It's a highlight reel. So we should never compare our lives to others, especially if that comparison comes from looking at their picture perfect lives online. Even those people are struggling with something. They're just not probably not going to post it on social media. And so it gives us a very skewed image of their world. And I just don't like that. And mostly for that reason, I rarely get on Facebook unless I have to for work. And as far as Instagram, I have my feed culled down to where basically I just mostly get quotes and, you know, things about mental health and exercise and empowerment and I mean, pictures of my friends' kids do come through and everything, but it's not, I don't know, for some reason, Instagram doesn't annoy me as much as Facebook. So, you know, empathy is also good, but compassion takes empathy one step further because compassion embraces a desire for all people to be free from suffering because we're all just humans after all. Number three, connection. So the third way to help others in a world obsessed with helping ourselves is connection, focusing on connection. And so for the people who are already in your life, like friends and family, you know, we can be more intentional about staying connected to them. We need to know what's going on in their daily lives and and in the big picture. You know, in the mornings when we're all hustling and bustling around trying to get out the door, you know, we can still chit chat with them about their day. And if they're not going to be in our car load or if the other parent's taking them to school, you know, just stay connected with simple questions like, do you have any tests today? What are you doing in social studies? You know, these types of things show them that we care, and it helps us sort of imagine them during the day. We can imagine them sitting in that social studies class, learning about the French Revolution or whatever they're learning about. Sometimes we get so focused on bettering ourselves that we sort of walk around in an isolated fog, not really paying attention to what everybody else is doing in our lives. We have to stay connected. You know, and it's, I feel like when kids are little, we well, we have to stay connected because they're little and they're so dependent on us. And it seems like 
the older they get, they turn more to peers and they turn more to um, sports and their theater and the, whatever they're doing, after school activities. And you, we have to be intentional about connecting with them because as they turn into adolescents and teenagers, it would be so easy just to get disconnected. And so it's on us. It's on us as the adult to make sure that that connection is maintained. You know, when we're at night, we have to make sure that we actually have dinner at the table. We have to give hugs and laugh together, spend time together. You know, and you can stay connected with other adults by sending texts. I love when my sister sends me a recipe that she knows I like or when a friend sends an empowering quote. It just makes me feel closer to them. And it makes me feel like I was on their mind throughout the day. And I do the same things for them as well. Or if it's your partner and spouse, send memes and jokes and texts throughout the day. Matthew and I do this all the time, and I love it because a, a phone call may be disruptive because we're both super busy and in the flow a lot during the day, But and we do call each other if needed, but just sending like funny texts or a news article or just, you know, whatever, it's kind of a way, a small way to stay connected throughout the day. I recently read a quote that said, Something along the lines of, when kids grow up, they remember who showed up. So when kids grow up, they remember who showed up. So they remember which parents and family members rearranged schedules, worked weird hours, did whatever they had to do so they could show up as much as possible. And so, you know, I feel like it's hard. I know we have lots of kids to um, get to various activities and events um, but I do my best to show up because I know how good that feels. And I actually, you know, one way to maximize the time with your kids is to use car time. So if your family is anything like ours, you are in the car a lot, going hither and yon. And I actually love taking the kids to school. And I love being the one to take them to practices because I just feel like it's time to catch up with them. And, you know, we're in the car together. So I'm like, okay, dude, you're going to have to talk to me. What's going on? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And I love it. So I try not to see all that driving around, mommy taxiing, whatever you call it, as a nuisance. I try to see it as time, as time to talk to them and connect with them and even tell them about my day and what's going on with me. And I definitely do not get on my phone, if at all possible. That is something that I just, especially when I see parents picking up their kids at elementary school car line and they're on their phones, I don't know why, but that just drives me crazy because I feel like when the kid gets in the car, that first, you know, 30 seconds when they've been at school all day in their little faces, they want to see their mom, dad, or grandmother, or uncle, or whoever, and the person in the car is on the phone. It just makes me like cringe because I just want that child to feel special. And so, sorry if you're somebody who's often on the phone during car line, but that is just one of my pet peeves that I, you know, even if it's somebody for work. I just don't answer the phone if it ends up being at the exact same moment as Carline. It's when I'm pulling through Carline. So, yes. So, number three, connection, connection, connection. Number four, curiosity. I'm a very curious person. I don't know if it's the psychologist in me or the journalist in me, but I always have a lot of questions because I want to know the whole story. I'm always trying to get the full picture. I don't like gaps or ambiguity. And so from what I can tell, this doesn't annoy people because I'm curious about whatever they're talking about. And I think that being curious is very different than being nosy. 
being nosy is wanting to hear about the gossipy stuff and the drama and all that yucky low frequency type stuff. So that is much different than being curious. And when people are curious about me and what I'm doing, I'm really appreciative, especially when it's the people closest to me. Like if the kids ask, what's going on with work? Or when are you posting another podcast episode? It just makes me happy. I like, I like when they're curious about what I'm doing. Or even if it's someone in the community who, you know, says, oh, I saw you have a children's book. Are you going to write another one? How did you get the idea for that one? And it just feels like they're interested and it feels like it's a sense of being known. And so maybe because I know it feels good, but actually I do, I am curious about other people because I know it feels good, but also it's just the way my brain works. I'm just, I like, like I said, I'm just a little bit of an investigator and I like to ask a lot of questions. So another example is say Matthew in the morning says, I have a lot of meetings today. And then I may say, well, what are they and who are they with? Are you nervous about any of them or any of them kind of stressful or exciting? And then those simple follow-up questions, it, it starts an actual conversation. So it's less of him just throwing a sentence out there and more of an actual conversation. And I really appreciate when he does that to me in return, if I'm saying something about my day. So, you know, it's funny. I tried to find a shirt that just simply says, stay curious because I feel like when people stay curious, other people feel known and seen, and I love it. And sometimes, maybe if I had it on a shirt, I could just be walking around reminding everyone to stay curious. And so, yeah. Oh, and as a quick side note, being curious isn't just good for the other person, it's good for you. So apparently, being curious keeps the brain active instead of passive. And research findings on the benefits of curiosity found that curiosity is one of the five strengths most reliably reliably linked to satisfaction with life. Curiosity is also associated with happiness, health, longevity, and positive social relationships. So I feel like the beauty is in the details. So that's why I love curiosity. And if I find a, a Stay Curious shirt that I love, I'll be sure to share it with you all. Number five, the fifth way to take care of others in a world obsessed with taking care of ourselves is honesty. This one, this one's hard, and I know. Simon Sinek is a well-known writer and speaker and is one of the people leading the charge on this philosophy that we can't simply focus on helping ourselves. We have to focus on building up others as well. He says it's better to disappoint with the truth than appease with a lie. I mean, we've all done it. We've all said a white lie or a fib or maybe even a big lie in order to keep the peace, keep a secret, avoid conflict, or not hurt someone's feelings. And at the end of the day, lies are just terrible. They wreak havoc on everyone's heart. So even though you may disappoint someone, you are actually helping them more by telling the truth. And you're certainly helping yourself more by telling the truth. Telling the truth is being authentic and compassionate at the highest level. I mean, come on, lying is a cop-out. It's weak, it's pathetic, and it's extremely unattractive. So it may be a way to avoid conflict in the present moment or in the short term, but as we all know, lies catch up to us and cause major, major problems in the future, not only for the person who told a lie, but for the ones who had to receive the lies. So there you go. Five ways to care for others while being true to yourself. Authenticity, compassion, connection, curiosity, and honesty. And this is nothing that I found. I didn't like look these up in some kind of Google search. I just thought about it, you know? I thought about what are the ways that I try to care for others and the other when others do it to me, it feels really, really good. And 
I like these five ways because they're a bit broad, so you can interpret them however works with your own life, you know. Um, it's not things like go on a weekly date or things like that, which I feel like sometimes can get really constrictive and make you feel pressured to do certain things. And I, so the funny thing is that the topic of this five, the topic of this podcast is five ways to help others. But by doing these things, you're actually helping yourselves tremendously. And I feel like if you're doing the opposite, if you're already doing a lot of these things, but not taking care of yourself, that is also an imbalance. So, you know, you could have the flip problem of what we're talking about today. Maybe you're so consumed with taking care of everyone else, which this is certainly a thing. Um, You know, you have no concern with yourself. You don't even really know yourself. You're not connected to who you are. You don't know what you want to do. I mean, you even have trouble thinking about, you know, the food that you want to eat or the clothes that you want to wear. You know, if you are struggling to find yourself, then you have to work on that too, because you can't be authentic with other people until you figure out what that authenticity feels like. And you can't be curious about other people until you feel like you know yourself well enough. So it's such a a dance. It's It's a delicate dance, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. And so again, it's a balance, working on yourself, helping other people. And, and, you know, it's hard. Like some of these things, you know, it's easy to, to do a podcast episode and to read all these things like, oh, here you go, checklist. I know that when we get into the min- minutia of life that some of these things get trickier, but at least if you always keep them on the forefront, they're always there and they're always like really good reminders. So as we close out February, let's work hard to think about the big picture here and how our actions affect us individually and everyone else in our lives. And I'm going to be working on this as well. And I'm going to be going through the season of Lent with some reflection and trying to reconnect to some things that I feel like I've shoved down to, to, you know, have an easier time grieving the death of my mom, which I feel like I'm to a point now where I don't want to let go of that part of my life because she was such a big part of it. So I'm looking forward to the next 40 days. And I forgot to end the last episode with a quote. And that was something I was trying to do. So I apologize for that because that was something I was trying to do after each February episode. But I am going to end this episode with a quote. And it has been attributed to a few people, but most commonly it looks like it's attributed to someone named Robert Ingersoll. And the quote is, we rise by lifting others. When we work to encourage, so that's the quote, we rise by lifting others. I actually have a shirt that says it. Apparently, I like these shirts that give me these reminders. And I just feel like when we work to encourage, love, take care, lean into others, we are the ones who benefit. So just keep that in mind as you go through your week. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you on the next episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. My goal is to share information and inspiration so that women feel seen, heard, and empowered. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please share. Lastly, if you have a topic or idea that you want to hear more about, or if you want me to expound upon a topic I've previously discussed, please let me know. Message me on any of my social media platforms or email at susanna.shetley at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.